0: Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon and the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 59 of Process to Profitability. Today I'm talking about the true value of an hour with Yasmin Kashefi, and we get into a lot of great stuff here. She talks about the true value of an hour, how you can calculate it, and what you can do if you're struggling with having enough time. We also talk about what to look for when you're considering outsourcing, as well as some tools that you can use to start saving time in your business to make sure that you're as efficient as possible. We also go through my schedule and my struggle with feeling overwhelmed and busy. As Yasmin suggests things that I could do to find more time to do what I love and serve my clients well in the most efficient way possible. This is a great conversation if you want to learn how to make the most of your time and what you should consider outsourcing. We cover a wide range of topics and you get some behind the scenes and a little bit of Yasmin's coaching with myself in this episode. Yasmin Kashefi is a creative business strategist who works with female entrepreneurs to help them find clarity, focus, and to create a clear plan of action that scales their business and grows their profits. A seasoned strategist, Yasmin has over 10 years of experience in business strategy, operations, financial planning, and marketing, and an MBA from the Rotman School of Management. A former corporate consultant, she now uses her skills for good to empower female business owners to achieve sustainable, profitable businesses. Hi, Yasmin. Thanks for joining me. Hi, so excited to be here. So I read your bio at the top of the show, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do?
1: Certainly. So hi, everyone. I'm Yasmin Kashafi. I am a creative business strategist based in Toronto, Ontario. Um, I started off my career in digital marketing and advertising. And once I you know, decided I wanted a bigger challenge, I went off and did my MBA. And um, Transition to strategy consulting, which I did over the past three years. And as much as I love doing that, um, one of the things I really enjoyed when I was doing consulting work was working with smaller business owners or entrepreneurs, people who were really passionate about what they were doing, versus, you know, the corporate clients that I had that sort of um, sustained my day to day business in my corporate consultancy. And a couple of months ago, actually, In June of 2017, I decided that I was going to step away from doing corporate consulting and focus full time on working with creative entrepreneurs because as much as I love what I do and I love solving problems, I think what was missing for me when I was doing my corporate consulting practice was who I was helping. I was helping corporations, making them 3% more efficient or more profitable. And at the end of the day, there was really no one person benefiting from the results of my work. And I just like when I work with business owners, I get to like help a mom, you know, save for her kids a college fund or help pay off her mortgage faster or really see strides and growth in her business so she can reinvest in it and take it to like a whole new level. And that was just so much more meaningful for me. So over the past um, eight or nine months, I have been doing strategy consulting and business coaching with creatives. And I am loving it. I'm so excited that I get to work with amazing women day in and day out and help them scale and grow their businesses.
0: I love that you sort of, you were doing well in your corporate job, but you knew that you were missing something and you were able to find the people you wanted to help. And I think so many of us are in that spot where we want to be able to help people more one-on-one. And so seeing you actually make that leap is really cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, like the corporate consulting practice, like I want to say that I did genuinely enjoy doing it. My clients were great. I didn't have to deal with nightmare clients or anything. But at the end of the day, I mean... The money was good, but the work wasn't fulfilling. And I had an opportunity to sort of take a break from that and try something different. And I put a lot of hard work into it, and I'm glad it paid off. And I know, like you said, there's a lot of other entrepreneurs in the space, and it takes time and it takes a lot of trial and error to sort of find your stride in your business. So if, like, there's anyone else out there who's making that transition and feeling like they're struggling, like, I want to be honest, I did too, even though I. I am like a corporate strategist. I've done this for a living for several years and it takes time uh, to find your footing, especially in the online space where it's a whole different world than like traditional like brick and mortar type businesses.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. Today we're talking about the true value of an hour, which is something that we had discussed on a coffee chat and I thought it was like a really intriguing topic and would really help creatives in this business space. So can you start by telling us what you mean when you say the true value of an hour? Absolutely. So as entrepreneurs we do quite a bit in our business.
1: Unlike, you know, a salary day job where you're sort of paid to do one thing and every hour more or less that you put into your job, you're paid for it. When you're running your own business, that's definitely not the case. There is what we call revenue generating activity. And that is time spent on activities that directly put money in your pocket. So in your case it'd be like web design and graphic design and that sort of thing. In my case, that's when I'm coaching clients or putting together business strategies and plans and whatnot. And then there's everything else that we have to do uh, because when you're starting out, or even in the first couple of years, you really are the chief everything officer in your business. So you're doing everything from marketing, you're posting on social media, you're um, doing all your like invoicing and the financials of your business, you're doing a lot of like, the strategic planning and the operational workflows. And those things and activities in your business are so important and really help you drive the revenue generating activities, but you don't get paid for it. So one exercise I have all my clients go through is try to figure out what the true value of their hour is, and that's determining what their billable rate is when they spread it out across all non-billable and billable activities. So just like a quick example, if you bill out at $100 an hour and you're really spending Like an hour of your day making that revenue, but you're putting nine non billable hours in your business trying to get everything up and going, that sort of breaks down the true value of your hour to about 10 bucks an hour. And when you're an overwhelmed entrepreneur, you get to the point where you're just so limited by time because, unfortunately, as much as we want, there aren't more than 24 hours in a day. And like you can hustle hard and work, you know, 12, 14 hours, but that's not sustainable. So there comes a time where you have to figure out what your hour is actually worth. And if giving up some of that non-billable activity can help you drive more revenue generating activity in your business by taking the time you would have freed up and putting it towards activities that make money.
0: Yeah. I love that explanation. I think this was something that I personally struggled with when I started my business. I had come from a job where I got paid a salary. And so every hour that I sat at my desk, whether it was being productive or not, you know, I knew I was getting mm-hmm. paid for. And then I started doing this, and there's so much time that you're not actually being able to bill somebody for. Yeah. And so much of it goes to getting those clients. Like you feel like you're doing all of this work and you should be making a lot more money, but when you actually look at it, what you're bringing in doesn't reflect really what you're doing and when you're a business owner you have a lot more expenses so i know you know sometimes we look at services and say oh my gosh that's so expensive i've looked at my own service and said that seems really expensive but when i break it down like this i'm like oh you know i'm actually getting paid you know the what you know my expertise would make per hour it just has to cover so much more stuff
1: exactly exactly and it's it's really hard trying to figure out how to price yourself too, to take all of that into consideration. And worked with many entrepreneurs who, especially when they were starting out, they looked at how much they were making on an hourly basis at their salary job. And when they were putting themselves out there and like putting together packages, they were basing it on that hourly rate from their salary job. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You have to cover all of your expenses. Like, I think like the general formula is like whatever you're making hourly at your salary job times three, because that hour that you're putting into client work has to cover, like you said, all of your expenses, all of your non-billable activity, and of course, the time you spend on the project itself.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why it's so easy for online business owners to work really hard. You know, they sit at their desk for eight, nine, 10 hours a day. They have clients that they enjoy working with. And still at the end of the month, they're looking at their bank account going, I can't afford to pay myself because, you know, I've had to invest in things and I'm just not bringing in what I need to based on the amount of time that I'm putting in.
1: Exactly. And it's tough. It's like a tough thing to
0: have to face. Yeah. And I think this goes back to, I don't remember who was talking about it, but someone was talking about when we charge more in our business, that means that we can then invest more in other people's businesses. So we have to look at almost our what we're charging as an investment in other people's businesses. And eventually, you know, we have to make money in order to spend money and support other people too. Absolutely. And one of the things that comes with investing in
1: other people's businesses is In a way, you're buying back your time. You're getting someone who is an expert at what they do, who can do a project that might take you a bit longer, or a lot longer in some cases, a lot more efficiently, and it can actually save you money because it frees up more time for you to work on revenue-generating activities. I'll use myself as an example. One thing I do whenever I get busy is I let my own marketing drop. And in the online space, you have to be visible. You have to show up. If you don't, people will forget you. It's just a fact of the matter. It's a bare, It's like a basic price of entry to mm-hmm. running an online business. And if you're not marketing yourself, again, that can impact you long term. You may be okay with clients now, but once those contracts end, you're going to have to put all that effort into it all over again to get started. So as soon as I noticed I was getting busy, One thing I did was I looked to hire a social media manager, someone who can sort of help me take my content, write it up for my social channels, um, help me coordinate posting um, on my blog, sending out my newsletter and helping me get more organized. And it was like, it was a big expense. But by letting someone who is like an expert at what they do, take something that was taking me about 10 hours a week off my plate... I was able to take that time and put it into revenue generating activities, which allowed me to basically not only cover the cost of my social media manager, but like I profited from it. I doubled the revenue that I could have gotten with that time just by letting go of one thing on my plate that I wasn't getting done that was important in driving my business. And that frankly, I kind of dreaded doing. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I need to like write social content again. And I would put it at the very bottom of my to-do list and it wouldn't get done when it was supposed to. But making that decision really helped me honestly level up because I had all this extra time that I can invest in my clients or had more capacity
0: to take on clients as a result of letting go of just one thing. Okay, so I know you talked a little bit about, you know, giving the example of calculating the value of an hour, but is there anything else people should know about how to actually take a look at what they would be making hourly based on the work that they're doing and the revenue that they're bringing in. Absolutely. So
1: it's a simple exercise that you can start with to really nail that calculation. And that's just tracking your time. A lot of people do it in different ways. Sometimes the easiest way is doing it in your calendar. I know that a lot of people like to sort of plan beforehand, uh, which is great because it sort of gives you structure for your day. But I also know that many creatives sort of get stifled by that. So what I would encourage them to do is track your time after you finish an activity. So if you are doing anything marketing related for an hour, like put that in your calendar as marketing. If you are doing a client project, make sure that's reflected in your calendar, the time that you spent on that. And then at the end of the week, it's really good exercise to sort of go and see where you spent your time throughout the entire week and see how much time was spent on non billable activities versus billable activities. And then from there, you can sort of like add those things up based on the projected revenue you would have made. So in some cases, that money doesn't come in your hands right away. You're going to get at the end of the project. But based on what you would have made, uh, working on that portion of the project for that week, divide that um, by all the hours that you worked. And that can give you a better idea of what an hour of your time is actually paying you. And then I want you to look at if there are like things on your to-do list that are taking you way longer than they should, if they are stressing you out and you're not getting them done, what would it cost to bring someone else on board to take that one thing off of your plate? And how much time would it free up for you to take on more like client work or just generate more revenue in your business? It could be like coming up with other product ideas that you can put out it's a really eye-opening exercise. And what I do myself is every three months, like every quarter, I will actually map that out for myself because it changes. Sometimes I'm spending more time on client work. Sometimes I'm spending more time on in my business trying to generate like ideas, programs, strategy, again, the marketing piece. And seeing how that fluctuates over time can give you a better idea of again, what your time is worth, but also what opportunities exist to take work off of your plate so you can make more money.
0: Yeah. So I tracked my time for a while um, and I would track every activity that I did. And I like that you mentioned to track it after you did it, because sometimes things take a lot less time than we think. Sometimes they take a lot more time than we expect them to. And so we need an accurate picture of what that looks Mm -hmm. like instead of just I'm going to guess that this will take 15 minutes and then it actually takes 45. Yep. Yep. I've been there myself. You block off like half an
1: hour to do a specific project and an hour and a half later, you're still in it. And you wonder,
0: where did your day go? Yep. And then I found that when I tracked my time, not only could I see like where I was spending time on billable and non-billable hours, but I was also able to see, okay, this is actually how long, Designing a website for a client takes. And so I could more accurately then give them a timeline and an estimate, and I could better price my services based on what I was going to have to do. I could schedule better because I had all of that information. You're like hitting the nail on the head.
1: That's such an important exercise to go through because you're right. As humans, like we do underestimate the time it can take us to do something. And being able to know your processes, know how long things actually takes can help you, like you said, price yourself a lot better. So you're getting paid for the value of the time that you're putting into a project and you're not undercharging for your work. So that's like very awesome. And I'm glad that you went through that exercise because it's so important. And I think everyone should go through it every quarter really to see again, how things are changing in your business, track your time for a week, see how it goes. Because again, you might get to a point where you're evolving certain offerings, it's taking more time, or you might even find that like, because you're just like so awesome at what you do, certain things become a little bit more efficient. And it's good to see what opportunities exist within your schedule to focus on other potential revenue generating activities.
0: When was the last time you checked to make sure your website was healthy? The only way to know if your website is serving your business and working correctly is to make maintenance a regular part of your to-do list. I've created a maintenance guide at lemoninthesea.com maintenance that will help you get a picture of how your website is performing, what's working and what isn't, and the things you can work on improving so that you can continue to show off your expertise and bring in more dream clients. Inside, you'll learn why website maintenance isn't something to put off until next week, 15 tasks you should be doing on a regular basis to maintain your website, website And the tasks you need to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Get the guide at lemonandthece.com/slash maintenance. Okay, so what can we do if we are struggling with having enough time to get everything done? This has been my struggle all of last week. I had a lot of stuff on my to-do list. Everything took longer than it was supposed to, and I just went to the at the end of the day, I would just felt so overwhelmed. So What could I have done? What can listeners do if that's where they're at?
1: I'm so glad that you asked that question Um, because I have like another process that I love to implement for myself and my clients that really helps with this. So let me ask you, how do you group your tasks? Like what's your project
0: or your week planning process? So I have my week broken down into blocks of time. So I'll do, I have like the morning is supposed to be certain activities, the afternoon, certain activities. And so like there's blocks for client work, there's blocks for just the admin and marketing stuff. And then from there, I'll take a look at what needs to get done each day. I have like a calendar that pops up every Wednesday. I email my podcast editor, the episode and the show notes. So I know what has to get done at what time. Okay, cool. In terms of how you work, do you find yourself
1: to be the most efficient during the day, the afternoons, or in the evening? Like everyone has that like key time of the day where they're just like so productive and can get a lot of work done. What does that look like for you?
0: Mine is usually from about nine o'clock to one o'clock, I think <laughs> okay. That's
1: awesome. So, What I, again, encourage people to do is track their time as they do things for that like week long process. So what you're doing for trying to figure out the value of your time can also work for this exercise. Often people will pick and choose certain activities at certain times. There are periods of the day where you are just more productive. Like for you, it's 9am to 1pm. Honestly, for me, it's like 6am to 11am. Like that is my what I call genius time, because my brain is working, it's strategic, I'm getting things like done, I'm solving problems, and I feel great about it. So what I do, and I I feel like you're probably doing this, but I just want to clarify is I schedule all of my client work, all of my strategic planning, anything that really requires my brain to like think hard about what I'm doing during that time. Things like checking social media to pop into groups, answering emails, anything that can distract from that, me getting into that flow with the work that I do is scheduled outside of that period. Because I want to save my brain power for the most challenging work in my business. And then once I sort of spend all that energy and I go into a more like, okay, I I don't want to say like I'm drained, but more of a neutral state. That's when I block off time for sales calls and other things that just don't take as much mental energy to do. By blocking off that period when I can get into flow, uh, which is basically a concept of like optimal uh, productivity and satisfaction. If you've ever started working on something and then like were so into it that you just like looked at your clock and it's two hours later and you've been just like working on a project, that's flow. You get into that like state of optimal productivity. I try to make sure that that block of time for me is uninterrupted. And if I do, I find that I get twice as much work done in those couple of hours than I would if I were to break out all those tasks throughout the day. So I basically try to plan my day and I encourage my clients to plan my day based on when their brain is most productive for a specific task. Often that time is spent doing client work because, again, that's when we can be very efficient with their time by creating like work and value that benefits our clients and then the rest of the day can be spent on sort of the day-to-day
0: tasks in your business
1: are you doing that already or would that process help you at all i'd love to get your feedback
0: i try to do that as much as possible and i have blocked off like my client work times are definitely in that time frame that i'm the most productive i could not wake up at six in the morning if i tried to (laughs) (laughs) again, it's not for everyone. It's about what works best for you. But what I do sometimes come up against is those times are also when I have other commitments. And so I have to work around that a little bit. But most of the time I try to schedule either my client work, um, if I'm designing websites, or, you know, if I'm working on sort of a design project for my own business, I schedule it during that time.
1: Are you able to reschedule or like change the times available for those other commitments that can interrupt your flow? Not always. (laughs) It's tough. No, it's tough. Like again, when we we're working with clients, sometimes we have to accommodate them at other times and that can definitely break things up. So another recommendation that I have, if you're finding that that happens as much as possible, try to bundle your meetings. So Book all your meetings. Again, I know going to sound a little bit crazy, but try to book them in like a two or three hour window, like back to back. I know that sounds exhausting, but by saving yourself from constant interruptions in your workday, you again, give yourself that opportunity to go into flow and be productive. Whereas if you have, you know, half an hour here to do something and then you're jumping on a call and then you have 45 minutes to do something and then, oh no, it's another call you're actually never going to get into flow because it takes about 15 minutes to get to that state anyway. So if you only have half an hour, you're only going to really squeeze in about 15 minutes of productive work time, even though you're spending half an hour on a project. So if possible, bundle your meetings as much as you can. It was really hard for me when I first started. Again, I left a corporate consulting practice where I had clients and started a business where I had no clients and no one really knew who I was. And I was taking client calls whenever it was convenient for them. But when I got to the point that I was getting so busy that I couldn't keep up with the day-to-day commitments that I wanted to like accomplish in my business, like you know, being active on social media, writing blog posts, um, getting my newsletter out, I realized that I needed to make a certain change in my business. So I started basically blocking off my calendar and only allowing my clients to schedule discovery calls, coaching calls, like uh, check-ins for st- our strategy consulting projects together in the afternoon at certain times of the day. And I found that if I told a client that I was busy and I was unable to accommodate an earlier time, more often than not, they were really chill and very okay with like doing something the next day in the afternoon. Of course, you're going to make exceptions here and there, but for the most part, people are willing to work with you, especially if they are paying for your service because they respect you and want to work with
0: you and benefit
1: from your expertise.
0: Yeah, I definitely have my calendar set up where the afternoons are generally open for calls because that's when I'm not doing the design work side of things. So that's when people can schedule times. And I just recently got an email from Acuity, which is who I use for my calendar, and they have come up with a new function that if somebody schedules a call at one o'clock it will sort of push everyone who schedules after that to make them as close together as possible so you don't have those weird 15, 30-minute gaps between things. And I think that that is really helpful. You know, I agree that when you can get on a call and you just kind of knock out two or three at once, you know, it's a little bit draining, but then it's done. And then you can go back to doing whatever else you need to do.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now, that's such a fun feature. So, I, you're doing like everything right. So, my <laughs> final suggestion for you, no, because this is great. Like, these are practices that will take time for someone to learn, especially if they're going from being in a salary position where they have a nine to five to working for themselves and trying to maximize their time without having to work more. So, my final suggestion for you is sometimes we just need to stop over committing ourselves. And it's hard because we want to think that, oh my gosh, we can get all of these things done. But if you're finding that con- you're consistently not getting certain things done on your calendar, were these things more client work
0: related or things within your business itself? My business. I always get the client work side of stuff done. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's typically the case. So one
1: thing I would love to suggest is Once you figure out an hour of your time, think about how much it would cost to have like maybe a VA take a few of those things off of your plate. I don't want to guarantee it, but I'm fairly certain that if you were to hire a VA to free up some more time so you could focus on your clients, it would cost you like a lot less than what an hour of your time would actually be worth if it was dedicated to client work. And the amazing thing about VAs are like, you don't have to hire someone full time, you can bring someone on board for five to 10 hours a month, have them take a couple of those things off of your plate, and really help you mitigate that overwhelm. Is that
0: something that you've looked into at all? I've started to I had a, a call with Allie Danae Walker about uh, VA and online business managers and that kind of stuff. So I've looked into it, I just haven't made that leap. But I think that you know, that last part where with over committing, that's totally where I am. I want to be able to take everything on in my business. And I feel like I should be able to do it all, but I'm learning that I can't. And so my first person that I outsource to is my podcast editor. And just having those two extra hours for each episode freed up has made a huge difference in how quickly I can get things done. So it's learning to let go go of those things and that other people are better at it and could do it a lot faster than I can. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Like I am fairly certain that my social media manager can do the things that would take me 10 hours a week to do in two or three, because she does that day in and day out. Like for her, it's not a mindset switch. When you're the chief everything officer of your business, every different task that you do requires a different state of like mind and different state of focus and that constant switching throughout the day is not incredibly productive because it takes time to get into a certain like mode mm-hmm. I don't know what like about you but like if I'm ever like writing like I need to be in a certain mood to write a blog post. I can't just be like oh I'm scheduled to write a blog post at 3 p.m today so I'm gonna start writing no like I need to feel a certain level of inspiration and um like you know feel energized to get into that zone and you know hammer out a blog post that can drive value to my readers and it's okay we're human that's totally normal thing to experience and everyone experiences it like i feel like the only people who can do exactly what they want to do at the exact time that they schedule it are probably cyborgs and <laughs> i mean that's pretty cool but not most of us yeah so it's okay if you're overcommitting. Just let go. I get that it's hard. I even struggled with it. I, I'll be honest. Like in my first business, I made, I think, multiple six figures before I was like, okay, I'm going to bring someone on board. Because at first, I saw it as like, I'm giving money away. Like that's what I felt like I was doing. I'm giving money away that I worked so hard to earn, and I had to really think critically and take the same advice that I give my own clients, which is by giving some of that money away, I'm actually buying back time and allowing myself to open myself up to new opportunities to bring in more business and to grow my business. And once I got past that hump, I was able to scale so much faster. So, like, don't look at bringing help on board is a bad thing. Like just because you can do everything in your business doesn't mean that you should. Yeah. I love the fact that you're like considering bringing on board a VA, like based on the benefits that I've experienced in my business, I definitely feel that it will help free up more of your time and really let you like grow and scale and get to the next level. And for entrepreneurs who are like, you know, in it for a while, like that's really the first step towards up-leveling in your business. Like once you get past that hump and you bring in support so you can maximize your time, that's when you really start seeing a lot of growth and a lot of return in your investments.
0: Yeah, and I think... That's really good advice. I feel like a lot of creatives are in this place where they're afraid to commit to paying somebody else because they're not they're still not sure their business, you know, can bring in the money they want, but it does free up so much of your time and it's all about taking a look at the time tracking and what you need to outsource so you can find the right person to help you and do them the right tasks so that you're getting the most Sort of bang for your buck out of hiring somebody. Exactly,
1: exactly. And another thing that I would encourage, like you and like anyone else out there who's considering bringing on help, start the interview process as early as possible. The reason why I recommend that is often we'll wait until we're so overwhelmed that the idea of taking an hour to sit down and talk to someone and tell them what to do. Just seems so overwhelming and like you don't have time for it. So you're like, oh, I'll just do it myself. It'll be faster that way. And that's what gets you stuck in that cycle where you're never able to really let go. So, You might not know what you want to give up yet, but personality and fit are such a big component of hiring members for your team or to support you in your business. So reach out to a couple VAs, social media managers, graphic designers, like whatever you need in your business. Literally all things that I did in December as I started getting busy, but before I got so busy. Interview them, get a sense of their uh, style, how they work. And let them know that you're looking to like hire someone maybe in March or whatever your target date is, just so they're not left thinking like, oh, I just had uh, an interview or I had a consulting call with this person and like nothing. Give them an idea of your timelines and let them know that you're talking to a bunch of people. But I guarantee that like if you start that process before you get crazy overwhelmed, when it comes to the time when you're like, okay, I'm going to need to bring someone on board, you will have already done the legwork. It's just a matter of picking the people that you connected the most with, letting them know what you need help with because you've done that awesome time tracking exercise and having the conversation. And I guarantee that it's going to move a lot quicker and it's going to be a lot more efficient because hiring people is also a very overwhelming process that discourages
0: other creatives from bringing on board that help they so desperately need. Yeah. And I did exactly that without kind of knowing it from my podcast editor. I talked to her way back when I started and she gave me just some advice. It was kind of like a pitch sales call, but it wasn't, you know, she didn't pressure me. And then when I hired somebody and I went back and I was like, okay, I have to outsource this. I went back in my emails from six months earlier and she was there and I already knew that she could do what I needed. And so it was really easy to then go and say, okay, now I'm ready. And I already know that you're going to be a good fit for what I need.
1: There you go. Like, again, didn't that make your life so much easier? So another way that you can also look at it is like coffee chats, too. I mean, one thing that, you know, we met through social glue sessions with Raina. And um, one of the things that she encourages is having coffee chats and connecting with people. And honestly, everyone that has hired me in my business over the past couple of months and everyone that I've hired, I've met through coffee chats for the most part. So having those conversations with people and learning about their business and their style really can help you grow. Um, So... If you're like being asked to have coffee chats with people, again, highly encourage. I know it's not the focus of this conversation, but it could result in business opportunities down the road, but also like connect with other peers in the industry who may not necessarily be in your line of business, but could come in handy. I, again, also hired like two women that I connected with in Social Blue. And I'm so glad that I met them because when I needed that support, I didn't have to post in a Facebook group being like, hey, I need like... A graphic designer to help me create social media templates or like, Hey, I need someone to help me with my onboarding process in my business and then be bombarded with like 20 or 30 or 40 or even a hundred messages, yep. which when that happened to me, when I was looking for like a VA at first, like I was like, Oh, I got stressed out. And it was really anxiety inducing. Cause I'm like, and now I have to go back and respond to all these people and like, let them know that I found someone else. Cause I don't want to be rude and ignore them. And Yeah, a lot of like unnecessary stress that I added on my plate. But the person that I ultimately went with, like we connected on uh, social media, like many months prior. So to everyone who's also thinking like they're putting time into social media and coffee chats and it's not working, it will pay off. Trust me. Like it it is one of the best ways to create a connection because when people think about who they need to bring on board in their business, they're going to go back to people that they connected with and felt like a genuine bond with versus you know, a random message on a Facebook post yep, amongst a group of like so 90 true. of them. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. I'm sorry. When it comes to like hiring people or like outsourcing work is something I'm really passionate about because it's like the first level that entrepreneurs need to sort of reach before I feel like they can really start scaling and growing. Because yeah, even though you are the chief everything officer of your business, it doesn't mean you have to be.
0: Yeah. Okay, so what tools can we use to save time in our business or maybe to track our time? Any tools or tips that you have to share? Yeah,
1: so honestly, I would say like use the tools that you are comfortable with. I often see so many posts about like, use this one tool, and it will change your life. And then it requires you letting go of sort of like something that you have familiarity with learning something new, trying it out, and then maybe finding out doesn't work. I mean, if you want recommendations, like I love Trello, it's really good for mapping things out. But I personally do like 99% of my planning and tracking in Excel or in my Google Calendar. Some, I will literally block off cells. Um, and what I do is like my planned week versus my actual week. So at the beginning of the week, I have like basically a worksheet in Excel. And every week I create a new sheet. I map out my week in terms of what I want to get done. And then as I actually go through my week, I track what I did get done. And seeing that comparison of what I planned versus what I actually accomplished is really eye-opening and h- helps me stay on track and plan my time more effectively. I take the learnings from the previous week and apply it to the next one. Again, like, a great example was I was pulling together a report for a client and it was like pretty easy. I thought it would take me 15 minutes, but uh, technology doesn't like to agree with me sometimes. And it ended up taking like half an hour. And now I know I need to like include a 15 minute buffer to deal with like laggy software. And I didn't know that beforehand, but now I do. And I can plan my time a little bit more effectively. So doing these comparisons uh, really helps. And the reason why I love like Google Sheets is because you can do that compare and contrast really easily whereas I feel like if you do it in your calendar it can get a little bit messy. But for project management uh, Trello is like my go-to. I also use a son I feel like these are common tools that people use so I apologize I don't have like a really like cool neat one that's unheard of but like I like to stick with what works. If it ain't broken,
0: don't fix it. Yeah I agree that if you found something that works, as long as it's working for what you need it to do, keep using it because we don't all have time to learn new stuff.
1: Exactly. And it's so easy to get distracted with like shiny object syndrome where it's like, ooh, a new tool. I'm going to check it out. And then you invest all this time and it takes you away from like a process and workflow that actually like helps you in your business. And then getting back into the swing of things just takes more time. Now, like for me, like I will only add a new tool if it will solve a specific problem that I'm struggling with in my business or like
0: suggest it to my clients if that's something that they're struggling with in their current business. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Thank you. Okay, so did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about on this topic before we go into the wrap up questions?
1: Um, honestly, just give yourself some grace, ladies. I know that we want to sort of do it all and live that like idealized life. And the other thing is like, one thing I see a lot on Instagram and Facebook is the fact that like you're successful if your success comes easy. And that's never the case. Success takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of grit and a lot of hustle. So just know that like everything that you're putting into your business will pay off because that's what you need to do to get there, right? Like there's a lot of work in the back end before you get to that sort of stage where like your Instagram filter perfect and everything looks like it comes easy and you're working on a beach in Bali. Again, <laughs> not reality for, I would say like 98% of entrepreneurs and business owners, and that's totally okay. So give yourself some grace. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself.
0: All right. Well, that was great. And there's a ton of information there. So I'm going to wrap up with the questions that I asked to everybody. The first one is, can you give us an example of a time when serving your clients well has benefited your business? Absolutely,
1: um, in multiple ways. Actually, I'm going to talk about like the personal component. So I have had clients reach out to me after the fact once they've seen a bit of growth in their business and tell me what they are able to do with like the incremental income that certain efficiencies and like process changes brought them, and that just makes my heart so happy because again, I'm helping people, not corporations. But beyond that referrals really like I feel like if I'm serving my clients well and I'm making them happy and I'm helping them achieve their goals they tell other people about me and that really helps me grow my own
0: business okay so tell me two things that you're loving right now they can be business or life
1: oh gosh um so I am going to California for a work trip and I am seriously planning on going to Disneyland even though it's going to be like peak season um, so I'm just getting into like that, that Disney state of mind, listening to Disney music while I work. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, it makes my days pretty magical. The other thing that I am loving is I just finally got like a good ebook reader. I was reading off of like an iPad previously, which is a fantastic tool, but like makes it so hard for you to sleep at night because of all of that like blue light and the glare. So I switched to a Kobo um, Aura 1, I think is what it's called. It's really great. It connects to Overdrive so I can borrow books from my library. And I've been reading uh, for about 30 to 45 minutes every night. And A, I sleep like a baby. And B, I'm learning more stuff. So I call that a double win.
0: Yeah. I love borrowing books from my library for my Kindle.
1: <laughs> right. We don't have that in Canada, unfortunately. So that's why I ended up going with the Kobo. The Kindle doesn't connect to libraries um, in Canada, but like it's game changing because sometimes there are times where I just like want to reference like an older book for something. And, you know, libraries just are incredible institutions. And I feel like they're totally underappreciated. So, you know, support your local library. Though at the same time, like, again, one of the benefits of being able to work in this business is like whenever friends or people that I admire in the space put out books, like I am first in line to buy them because I want to support them and the work that they put into it. So best of both worlds. Yeah.
0: Okay, so what are you excited for that's coming up in the future or something that you're working on?
1: Yeah, so I have been spending the last two months sort of overhauling all of my packages and offerings in my business. So in March, I'm going to be launching a brand new coaching program. As I have grown, I used to do a lot more like done for you type stuff, but all of those hours are booked. So in order to best serve my clients, I've just been thinking like, what can I do with the time that I do have available? So I'm so excited to launch that. I'm also like launching a new website. I am launching a brand new like onboarding and welcome process, really focusing on that client experience and making sure that they feel very supported in their business journey. So I can't wait for that to get going. Um, It feels like it was a lot of planning and a lot time coming, but
0: definitely an investment I was happy to make in my business. Awesome. All right. So my last question is where can people find you online?
1: Sure. So you can find me on my website at yasminkashefi.com. I'm pretty sure it's going to be like typed out somewhere. So I won't spell my name. Yes. Um, <laughs> and also on Instagram at at Cacheffe, and on Facebook at slash Yasmin Kashafi. Uh, I try to keep all my handles the same. And if you have any questions about anything that I talked about, I love connecting with people. So please don't hesitate to
0: drop me an email at hello at Yasmin Kushefi.com. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of this. I learned a lot. I'm sure that my listeners learned a lot. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This was fun. Like I said, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to do it for uh, 45 minutes. It was awesome. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.